Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. You know, people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. As promised, though one day late, which we will get to, uh, we have Heim Bloom, the chief baseball officer of the Red Sox, on the show. We were originally going to do this Tuesday, uh, and then there was a rescheduling for obvious reasons, the Kike Hernandez trade that went down yesterday. Heim, I think we all knew there was a roster crunch coming and roster moves coming, um, but I guess Sean and I should have been a little bit more intrepid as reporters and uh, realized that a trade was coming down the pipeline when you had to move this yesterday. Um, so we'll start there. Just how did everything, I know you talked about it last night in the group setting and, and why you guys made the deal, and it's obvious, I think, with the logjam and the, the pitchers you acquired and everything, but kind of logistically over the last few days, talking to the Dodgers, and I'm sure you know Andrew Friedman, who you know very well, how did that deal uh, come about and, and what was yesterday like as you got it done? Yeah, um, well, obviously, it's a time of year when you're having a lot of conversations with other clubs anyway. So this kind of flowed from that, but it was on a little bit of a different timetable. Like you said, we knew this was coming. Uh, different things pop up, injuries, other things that sometimes you think you're going to have uh, a log jam and you don't. Uh, but in this case, we knew, obviously, that it, it was likely to happen. So this was part of the conversations we've been having uh, really since the draft ended leading up to the deadline. Um you know, just learning about interest in, in all of our players and, and knowing uh, that there was potentially a decision to be made here. And it uh, doesn't mean that there's a guarantee of a trade, but that was certainly one way to, to resolve it if we were able to also help ourselves in some other way. So we started conversations along those lines. And uh, obviously at this time of year, we're having conversations at 29 clubs, but the conversations we had with LA, uh, you know, this came to the forefront and uh, we were able to get something done. Does this... And and I think I know the answer, but to you, does this move where you're, you know, obviously subtracting from the major league roster and, and adding pieces to to AAA, some depth, does it signal anything about your larger deadline strategy or is it just more a matter of circumstance where Kike had gotten to a point where, you know, redundancy on the roster with Pablo Reyes coming back and Arroyo? I mean, is it, should, there's probably not a lot of big picture reading into it that we should do. That's correct. Yeah, this this really, you know, there's that cliche that it's a baseball trade, but this is a right. baseball trade uh, for us. Um, you know, I, I, I do think 
you know, the, these two guys and, and in particular, Nick, who's, who's more experienced at the major league level, uh, have a chance really to, to check a bunch of boxes because uh, they might be able to help us this year. Obviously, you know uh, that our bullpen is very lefty heavy um, and you never have enough pitchers. And especially for us, you know, we're, we're deeper from the left side right now. So it's nice to get a guy uh, who has impact stuff that should be able to get outs in the big leagues. And then also somebody uh, who's still young, who's still early in his career. And uh, hopefully we're able to help him get to the same level of consistent success in the big leagues that he's shown that he can do in AAA. And then uh, he can be someone who can be a part of this going forward. Uh, so really it checked a lot of boxes for us. I, I, I wouldn't read anything into it beyond that, but uh, has a chance to help us in, in a few different ways. Haim, as we record this, we're about T-minus six days from the deadline of August 1st, which will take place when the team is in Seattle next week. Um, just from a 30,000-foot overview, how would you generally describe what you're after, other than trying to get improve the team now and in the future, but more specifically, what do you see as the chief needs here in the final week? Well, you know, there's... It, I, I will, and I know you asked for something beyond this, so I will give you something beyond this, but uh, I will go back to saying, first and foremost, we've gotten where we've gotten primarily because uh, of the efforts that we've been uh, undertaking over the, the last number of years to, to kind of build a new core here and have young players and, and new players from outside the organization join that core. For the most part, uh, you know, we're not where we want to be, but uh, a lot of good things have happened. And for the most part, those things that have happened have happened because of uh, those core players. And I think it's validated uh, the emphasis we've placed on having guys who can be a part of this and, uh, you know, be a part of, of the next championship team here uh, whenever that happens. And when you do those right things for that to happen, sometimes you get, you come into that success a little sooner than people might expect or sooner even than you might think. So, you know, we are encouraged by that and we want to keep doing it. And that North star uh, that you mentioned is to continue building that core uh, and hopefully that's something that that helps us, you know, both now and then for years to come, uh, you know, looking at the club, obviously, you know, health is such a big factor. Uh, it, it's a testament to a lot of our young players, uh, to the depth that folks in the organization have helped build up that we've had guys step in, you know, when we have had injuries, um, you know, on the position player side, you know, we have taken hits injury wise, and there's certain guys, uh, you know, that at times haven't been performing and, for the most part, other than a few lulls, we do seem to find ways to score runs. Uh, that speaks to uh, really the approach that has taken hold within our clubhouse and amongst our hitters of how to go go after this. And it also speaks to, uh, you know, I think the, the talent of the group and again, the young players and their ability to fill in. Um, you know, pitching wise, obviously, I think the arrow has gone up as we've, we've gone through the season, but that's something where you never sit there and feel like you have enough pitching. Uh, nobody does. I think regardless of your standing, whether you're you know, pushing for now or pushing for the future, I think 30 clubs are always looking for more pitching. So we're definitely in that group. Uh, defensively, obviously, we've had we've had our moments. We've had our hiccups. Uh, I do think some of that will get better as the season goes along and we continue to get healthier. Uh, that's really something we want to make sure we're tightening up uh, from within. But obviously, that's an area that if we're going to get in the postseason, uh, in 2023, we need to we we need to have a really good defense down the stretch. I was struck by something you said last night, where you said while you're open to just about anything that'll make the team better, that you were more focused on um, maybe acquiring guys who 
would have control past 2023 and not as focused on rentals. When, when you look at some obvious needs on the roster, as you kind of hinted at, uh, back-end rotation is something I would imagine that, that you're looking to upgrade. Um, why not uh, be willing, and maybe you would be, why not be willing to uh, go into the rental market there to get you through even the next month before you start getting Sale, Hauk, and Whitlock back? We are. Uh, we definitely are. And, you know, I, I just believe, especially where we're sitting, we should be exploring everything because you're going to find matches in places you might not think. Uh, if a move makes sense for us, if the price is right, you know, if it helps us win, we should do it. Um, you know, in saying that, I'm just really emphasizing, you know, number one, and again, I think it's been really the root of a lot of the success we have had is making sure that uh, we are focused on that core. And so the opportunities where we're going to be the most uh, aggressive. Obviously, those are harder to find. They cost more. Um, there's often more competition for them. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to find a fit. Um, but you know, those those types of acquisitions check more boxes for us. But look, we're not doing our jobs if we're not involved on everything. And if it's the right fit, the right player, uh, if there's the right cost, if it fits with what we're trying to do, uh, you know, then we should you know go after anybody, and that includes rentals. Um, but you know, really. Like I said, so many of the good things that have happened here have happened because we've been focused on the right things and focused on what we're pushing towards and focused on continuing to build and build and build so that we're not just scrapping for the third wild card, so that we're in a much better position than this annually. And in fact, by doing that, we've experienced some of the short-term rewards we've experienced. So for us to kind of veer off the road and, and do something that's completely counter to that, I don't think would make sense. And, and, and I don't think we're going to get the rewards that we might hope to get from that. Uh, because it's off plan. Uh, so it all depends on the specifics, obviously the player, the fit, the cost, uh, we're going to look at everything and I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Uh, but just those opportunities that are going to entice us more are going to be the ones that, that check all of our boxes. I'm, I'm imagining that's almost an impossible balancing actor, or at least a tough one of, you know, you wanting to keep your core intact, keep the pretty much the farm system intact and, and the, the young guys that you've built up. Well, wanting to add a controllable piece, you said those are the guys that are the most expensive. Those are the guys that take the most prospect capital. How difficult is it to, you know, look at kind of those two goals when they're kind of in conflict? You just try to hunt good moves. Um, you know, there you have to give to get. You know, it's very, very rare. Uh, almost never do you get an opportunity in this game. You know, teams are just uh, so good at this. You're not going to have something fall into your lap that's just some absolute bonanza. Uh, the game doesn't really work that way. I don't think it ever did, but it certainly doesn't now. Um, so it just has to be a price that's worth paying uh, and it has to fit. And, you know, we all understand, everybody understands in this business that um, you're, you're not, you, there's no free lunches. You will have to give value to get value. And it just has to be something where it makes sense. And that is the value of building up depth where you might have redundancy. You might have uh, a player that you have that you like, but that fits somebody else better. And then you might be able to get something for that player that fits you better. And, and those are the opportunities we hunt. Um, and, you know, again, like that, it's, it's, it's not something that you just, you know, throw a bunch of uh, stuff against the wall. You do it willy nilly. You throw caution to the winds. Of course not, because, you know, that is part of building. Uh, but you also want to find the right moves to, to enhance what you're doing and make the puzzle fit and help you win. When you look at this trade market, and I'm not going to assume that you're going to give us the top 10 names available or anything like that, but when you look at this trade market, how would you assess it in terms of, you know, it seems from the outside there's not as many maybe clear sellers as, as usual. Does it look like it's, um, it's going to be a lot, and this is something we talked about with Derek Falvey on the show a few weeks ago. 
more, you know, baseball trades where two buyers theoretically are, are trying to fit each other's rosters? Or how would you just assess what you're seeing at this point a week out? Yeah, I do think that's a good summary of it. Um, there are a lot of clubs uh, within striking distance of a playing a playoff spot. That's just that's just a fact of how it is. And and also a lot of different needs out there. People trying to solve different needs in different ways. Um, so, you know, that everybody's going to handle that in their own way. And, and even even six days out, I think in a lot of cases, whether it's certain clubs or, you know, certain players, certain fronts they're discussing, you know, people haven't really shown their cards yet. Uh, you know, I think the last couple of years are an interesting lesson for all of us uh, who observe this and live it, that uh, you don't always know even a week out what's going to happen. The last 48 hours in 2021 um, became kind of a frenzy in one way where, you know, we, we were we were in first place at the time and found that uh, you know, there were some guys that we chased after where the market got to such an extent that, that we just thought it wasn't a good trade for us. Uh, we were able to find some good moves, obviously, you know, chiefly Kyle, and, and, and we were really happy with how that turned out. And we got good results out of it. Uh, and then, you know, last year we were in a different position and, uh, you know, especially the market uh, for rentals was tough sledding for sellers. Uh, and there were a lot of teams in it last year too. So you never really know how it's going to go. Um, that's why you have to stay in conversation. I think one of the things that we emphasize and increasingly so every year here is just making sure we're active talking to other clubs. And that's not just me and BOH, that's other people, people who know uh, counterparts at other clubs. The nature of this business is that you're going to have to have at least 100 conversations to find one move. And there are going to be plenty of moves. In fact, most of them where you like the player, but you know what, this isn't just, this isn't going to be a fit for us. What they need isn't going to work for us. Or, you know, what we, we want to trade doesn't fit them. That's okay. We can accept that. That happens a lot. Um, the thing that you don't want to have happen is that somebody gets moved uh, and you weren't in on the conversation. If it was a player that fit you, obviously, if it's a player that doesn't fit mm -hmm. you, then it doesn't matter. But uh, and, and so in order to make sure that's the case, we just got to stay in touch with everybody because you really don't know what twists and turns it's going to take. You've got to be ready for everything. I like that, you know, this is an industry now where people are willing to be creative and, and try to be creative. You need to make sure you're, you're staying on plan, that you're accomplishing your objectives, uh, but, you know, willing to discuss different types of deals, to discuss different ways to satisfy needs. Uh, that's fun. It's fun for us. You know, we love baseball. We love, we love players. We love talking about players. So if there's different ways to make something work, um, you know, that's a lot of what negotiation is, is finding a way to uh, understand what somebody else's needs are and find a way to meet them in a way that works for you. And, and then everybody feels like they won. And, and that's when deals happen. Hi, I'm sure the nature of the trade deadline has changed a great deal since you first started working in the game. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you could pull the curtain back a little bit and give us a sense of what the next four, five, six days are going to be like. Hours, method of communication, uh, the collaborative effort that exists now that front offices are so much bigger than they used to be. Uh, as you noted, you may have BOH um, talking to his counterpart someplace else. You might be talking to the head of the baseball ops department somewhere else. Um, what's it like just on, on a human basis for you, you know, hours, uh, work schedule, travel, logistics, uh, give us a sense of what that's like. Yeah, it gets kind of increasingly frantic as time goes on and as you get closer. And I, and I do think it's important to make time to step back and make sure you stay organized um, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, we spent time in the, in the run up to this 
having some meetings just about, you know, not so much about players or strategy, but just kind of the logistics of it. What do we need to have a, a successful deadline? What do we need to have our ducks in a row? There's a lot of folks working on this. We got people working hard weeks in advance to prepare us for different possibilities, because if something comes up at the 11th hour, you might not have time to do all the due diligence, whether that's baseball wise, whether that's off the field um, that, you, that you might want to do. And, you know, sometimes at the buzzer, you have to accept that uh, because there is a deadline, but whenever possible, we want to try to get in front of that. And so, you know, whether it's set where to send our scouts, uh, even sometimes when scouts are home and we're having them look at players on video to get another perspective, uh, that work has to start ahead of time because it takes time to do it well. And so you have meetings where you talk about, okay, what fronts are most likely? What teams are most likely for us to connect with? There's no one that's ignored of the other 29 clubs, but sometimes you can say, okay, this is really likely we might have a match here. We got to be ready on this player. We got to be ready on this subset of players. Or, you know, it sounds like this guy could be in play, or it sounds like, you know, we want something from here, but you know what, this club also wants something from us. We might have some surplus, so let's be ready for what it would take from them. And you build on the work you've done in the past uh, when you've talked to those teams. So you already have some history with a lot of these guys, but you need to pull it together and have it organized so that as you get closer to the deadline and things start moving faster, you have something to work off of. So that's what a lot of the meetings are right now. We're constantly updating each other on calls and conversations and where clubs are at. You know, sometimes fronts speed up. Uh, sometimes we can choose to speed them up as was the case, you know, with Kike because of the deadline we had. Uh, but for the most part, we're trying to go through different scenarios, trying to say, okay, what are we willing to do to get this player? Um, you know, if a club has interest in one of our players and it's someone we might be willing to deal under certain circumstances, you know, what might it take from that club that actually accomplishes our goals and fits us and talk through that stuff as much in advance, find out what we need to know about certain targets that a lot of what's going on this week. And, and as you get closer, what's the method of communication like? Is uh, is this all text now? Or are you having actual phone conversations, email? What's that like in the last, say, 48, 72 hours getting to the deadline? So internally, it's a mix of in-person, uh, you know, some of the messaging platforms we use, um, Slack, Trello, things like that, uh, just to keep our, ourselves organized, a little bit of email, Um with other clubs, uh, it's mostly phone and text. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I had a trade conversation with another club over email. It's mostly phone and text. Totally just depends on relationships uh, and, and the easiest way to communicate and sometimes the urgency of that communication. I prefer, generally speaking, to talk on the phone. You just get more out of those conversations. They're more free-flowing. There's no misunderstandings or there's less of a risk of misunderstanding because you can hear the inflection in people's voice. You kind of know what's getting them said or what are they really focused on. Uh, it's easy to express interest in a bunch of players. It's harder for a team to understand uh, who you really want. And like I said, we got to figure out how to spend our time and energy. So it's important. If we want someone, we got to make that known. Otherwise, another team's not going to spend time on us and we're less likely to, to get to a deal. But then, you know, the, the reality of it is it's really hard to have uh, as many meaningful phone conversations in as short a time as we have, you know, as you want to do. So, you know, some of these things start on phone, they end up going over text. And as it gets down to the wire, it's really a mix of both. And it, it all depends on the flow of things um and, and where you're at but i'd say phone and text and then for us internally uh in-person meetings and, and mess and group messaging is, is how we get it done what would you say is your and it can be here or during your time at the raise your craziest deadline memory maybe of just the trade that 
either came out of nowhere last second or crazy circumstances, tech snafu. I don't know what it could be, but if you could kind of think back on that one. Well, um, <laughs> had a had a couple of times, uh, you know, when I was uh, there was one time when I was with the Rays that uh, you know Andrew had a child born on the day of the deadline. Um, so that was a really interesting deadline for us. Um, it had nothing to do with baseball, obviously, but, uh, you know, some things come first and, uh, we had to improvise and, you know, kind of make sure he could be where he needed to be and that we were still able to operate. Um, so that again, not really baseball wise, I would say more often than not, um, there are on the last day, a couple of possibilities, some of them very big that pop up that are at least substantive enough that you talk to another team about them, that you, and, and, you know, it's, if it's small, okay, you know, that's something, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Sometimes the last minute teams are trying to do different things. They're managing a 40 man roster. There's certain players on the edges of the roster that might come available, but sometimes there's a, a whopper of a deal that you haven't really spent any time on. And it comes across your lap, uh, as at least a possibility and you're thinking man this is actually something we should spend time on but it's daunting to do so at the last minute and usually those those don't come together right there's usually too many moving parts uh but i remember for instance this is this goes a, a ways back but the deal that we made when i was with the rays that we made in the winter before 2008 which turned out to be a, such a significant deal for the franchise sending uh delman young uh to minnesota for uh, for matt garza and for jason bartlett uh, Brendan Harris, I believe, is also in that deal uh, from our side. Um, you know, that one, obviously, one of the most significant deals, I think, over there, because it totally transformed that team, uh, really realigned a, a, a bunch of talent into a more functional baseball team. And then we had the season in 2008 that we did. The first time that deal got mentioned was five minutes before the deadline in 2007. Loosely, that framework was briefly discussed, and we kind of thought, eh, "This is interesting." And there wasn't enough time to execute on it in the last mm -hmm. four minutes. But then, lo and behold, in the offseason, it comes up again, and it ends up being a tremendously significant deal. So sometimes that stuff happens at the eleventh hour. It doesn't always result in a deal, but sometimes it leads to something down the road. So, what was mentioned with five minutes to go last year that you're going to get down in the next next five oh, days? Good question. Well, that uh, I'm not sure there was anything like that, um, <laughs> but sometimes you do end up with history on certain players or. You know, there's certain players that it feels like you're you're chasing every year, and and uh, you know they they tend not to move, right? They're still where where they are, and uh, you don't know when those players are gonna are gonna come available, uh, or or when a deal is finally gonna come together. If if something happens and we do something this year that uh, was talked about in the last hour in, in 22, I will I will let you guys know. Good. It's it's uh, we it's Fenway rundown circle back. A more serious question about last year's deadline. Obviously, it was um, the buy sell. Um, kind of dual strategy. Everybody knows how it went down with trading Christian and adding Fam, Hosmer, uh, McGuire for Deekman, all those moves that you made. Um, looking back, what did you learn from that deadline personally and, and just on, on how these things work? Yeah, there, you know, there's a lot of, uh, one thing we actually do is we try to actually review it afterwards, whether we're high-fiving each other or whether we're sitting there with our arms folded, you, we try to review it afterwards and say, what went well, what do we want to do differently next year? Keep those notes. And then you pull them out when you're getting ready for next year. I think we do that mm -hmm. with as many processes as possible. That's how you get better. Or it's at least one way that you can get better. Um, you know, I, I think last year, it, it, it's interesting, like 
we were at the day of the deadline, like we were definitely on the outside looking in, like I think arguably even more so uh, than, than where we are now, uh, yeah. frankly, and, but still having a, a real shot. Right. And so chances are, whatever you do when you're in that position, you are not going to get in. That's why the odds are what they are. Um, that was kind of the fact we were looking at, uh, you know, when you're going down the deadline, you know, obviously the way things turned out, um, you know, it's easy now to look at it, say, you know, we, 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 we made some moves, you know, we did, we did, uh, stockpile some future value. We, we grabbed some rentals where we thought the prices was price was right to keep us afloat. I thought we got out in front of some 40 man roster issues, uh, reasonably well. Um, but ultimately you win 78 games and you end up over CBT, that's not good, right? So that's something that certainly with the benefit of hindsight, we would want to do differently. You know, the merits of it at the time, I think it, it, that's probably more of a debate. Um, but, you know, obviously a lot of the communication around that, whether it was within the clubhouse, whether it was with our group, you know, knowing the club was on the road at the time, uh, you know, knowing how it went down and how it became very chaotic uh, on the ground, that's obviously something we spent some time digesting. Um, you know, I do think, look, like I said, we were, I think the only thing we could have done that would have had uh, our clubhouse high-fiving would frankly just not have been very smart. That's the nature of where we were. Yeah. Um, but, you know, how, knowing that when, once you push the button on a deal, there's certain factors of that deal that are going to go out of your control, getting in front of that, managing it differently. That was something we spent some time talking about. I, I think some of, a lot of the reaction was just inevitable. Um, but it's certainly something you always look for. Is there any way we could have made that smoother? Understanding it wasn't going to make people happy, but could we have made it smoother? Now, I would say, um, you know, I, I would stand by all the moves we made. Um, and I think, you know, with time, you know, again, it didn't work, but we were in a position where we were not likely to make the playoffs. Um, I think a lot of those moves, especially the ones where we got, uh, you know, value that was going to be with us beyond 2022, I think the merits of those showed up. And, are, and continue to show up. And so that's important to remember too, uh, that you know, in the moment at the deadline, the deadline is probably one of the worst times of year around the industry for hot takes. And there is very little correlation between reaction to people's deadlines and how good they actually end up being, positive or negative. And that's-, that's Except, worth except on Mass Live, of course. <laughs> you guys are beyond reproach, but the rest- That's, that's right. The, the rest of the world always reacts poorly. So. You know, and again, like I, I think it's true of a lot of moves, um, how they're reacted to in the moment does not necessarily track how good they actually end up being. Um, and, and that's important to remember. And it's part of why we have to tune that out and just make sure we're focused on the right things. One of the issues last year, Heim, seemed to be uh, maybe some criticism the organization got for not having better representation of the baseball ops department on hand in Houston. Um, I know you talked a little bit about the Vasquez deal and the way that went down and the awkwardness of it. Um, do, does anything change because of that this year? Uh, and did you learn anything from that experience in terms of uh, having either yourself or BOH on hand when the the clock strikes midnight or 6 p.m. or whatever time zone we're going to be in. <laughs> we, we, we talked about it actually uh, going into it and then certainly after the fact. Uh, and obviously, again, that was something I think one of the things that made it harder was obviously trading Christian is such a significant thing for the organization. And it was not something that happened right at the buzzer, right? It was something that happened with a lot of time left. That was just the timetable that that came to fruition on. Uh, not something we entirely controlled because a lot of it had to do with when Houston 
uh, was really ready to move and, and go get the catcher that they wanted. So um, something we talked about, but I, I do think something that I'm not sure is that well understood is actually these days, it is very, very rare for clubs when they're on the road for, you know, the top decision maker, president, GM, chief baseball officer to be on the road with the club. That is actually a rarity now. Uh, that in itself was not unusual. Uh, now, to have no front office representation, uh, that's something I would do differently. We will do that differently. Um, you know, just it, it, it is a lot to handle. And uh, our field staff is trying to get ready for a game. And uh, it, it puts a lot in their lap. So we're, that, that's something that, uh, you know, we are going to do differently. Uh, but again, I, I think that was kind of uh, not well understood that it really isn't atypical uh, not to have me or BOH with the club when the club's on the road. Uh, that really is how almost all and sometimes all clubs uh, operate in that situation now. And the reason for that is just that is just communication and ability to execute. Um, if you're if you, if you've got a team of people behind you that you're expecting to put you in position to make good moves and you separate yourself from that team and it is a vast group of people, you will not operate as well. You just won't. And you're kind of hanging them out to dry. You know, so there, there, there are trade-offs and everything, but uh, I, I don't think it's uh, unusual uh, or I don't think it's that shocking that that's how most organizations and increasingly almost all of them have chosen to handle the deadline because there's a lot that goes into it and uh, it's really hard to coordinate if you're splitting up the group. So you, you've told us a little bit about what it's like preparing. It's something that takes weeks, even months, getting ready for scouting reports, getting your strategy together. As an industry on our side, we start writing about the deadline probably in May or June. It, it, it's the focal point, really, of the regular season in a lot of ways. And yet, if you look at the deadline and the deals that take place, they often don't have a huge impact on what unfolds over the final two months. I heard an interview with your former boss, Eric Neander, in the last week or so, where he noted that the two times the Rays went to the World Series, uh, 2009 and 2020, were both years in which they didn't do a lot at the deadline to improve, sort of suggesting that, you know, for as much energy and time and effort that goes into it, sometimes you wonder whether it's worth it. Do, do you have those fleeting thoughts as you're slaving over all of this and wondering, you know, are we making too much of this deadline given what usually transpires out of it? Well, I think you could say that about a lot of things that we do. That's the nature of our, of our business. It's the nature of our sport, but um, you know, it's kind of the same thing we ask of the players. We ask them to, to, to run hard every time because once every hundred times that guy might bobble it and you might be safe. You don't know which time that's going to be. So you better run hard every time. Uh, and that's kind of how I view this. But, you know, what I take of those comments is, is kind of what I just said, um, which is that I think a lot of how people, uh, especially publicly and even sometimes within clubhouses, but, you know, certainly publicly and in the media, how they digest deadlines really has very little bearing on what's going to happen next. People, uh, read read a lot of things into what happens. They make a lot of predictions about because the deadline went down a certain way, this is about to happen. And uh, the truth is we just don't know. So that's why you just got to stay focused on making, making moves and not trying to play to a reaction. Um, those reactions are often not only uh, speculative, but sometimes just flat wrong. I mean, there were situations last year, there were clubs that uh, quote unquote bought heavily or clubs that sold that people then predicted they would take off and people predicted they would 
they would fold up the tent and the exact opposite happened in some cases. Um, so, you know, we really don't know. I think that's why you just got to stay focused on what are you trying to accomplish and how does this fit what you're trying to accomplish? If you, if you worry about reactions or you try to read too much into reactions, you're probably going to end up uh, just hurting your organization. I assume, and I think we've, we've taken you know, a half hour of your time on six days before the deadline. So I assume nothing's on the one yard line today. Is that a safe assumption now that, uh, uh Yesterday went the way it did. Moment, that is accurate, but we are in a time of year where that can change very quickly. Yeah, maybe by the time this we're not where we were up. yesterday when I asked you guys to postpone. I'll put it that way. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. And so, you know, with everybody on flights to the West Coast tomorrow, keep that in mind as well. But Haim, we appreciate the uh, time at a very, very busy time of the year, and uh, we will uh, talk soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. Thanks, Han. Thanks, guys. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.